The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled A Vision of Hope. For many of us in addiction recovery, life can seem hopeless, especially in the beginning. After all, we chose to deal with our life difficulties with a behavior or substance meant to numb the pain. Take that away, and yes, life can certainly feel hopeless. But we hold a vision of hope, and we find a wonderful new life on the other side of addiction, one that we would not trade for anything. Today, We want to share our experience, strength, and hope on holding a vision for hope and finding our way through the tough times. We want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from that discouragement to happiness and it's through the power of a vision of hope so when i think about what kind of discouragement i encountered in early sobriety i could probably make a pretty long list i mean i did uh find my way through it um following program principles and having a home group and a sponsor and people to share whatever was going on with me but one, one source of discouragement was, and it reminds me of the, the adage, uh, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. So I went through this, you know, it's really intense um, getting sober experience and uh, spending some time with other people at a place uh, all set up for that. And then... I came back and I had to go to work and pay the bills and do the dishes. And, (laughs) you know, I'm not sure what I expected. Just what am I going to, I hadn't thought about it, but I don't know. Did I think I was going to step into like a whole new life, go on a speaking tour? You know, what, what what am I all of a sudden, I'm 
<laughs> like I don't need to work or whatever. Um, so even though I had not thought about it, just sort of getting back in the regular groove after a significant getting sober experience was kind of discouraging because it felt like it just yeah. did this huge thing yeah, and then nothing changed. Yeah. And that, you know, I wanted something grand. Of yeah. Yeah, of course. I can understand that. Like, like we've made this big, huge change and then still got to do the dailiness of life. And that can be a little confusing. And it's like, yeah, you feel like, like your whole world should have just like magically transformed. And on the one hand it has, right? Because on the one hand, everything has changed. And on the other hand, nothing has changed. Right. (laughs) But um, my, what I experienced was sort of a version of that. And that is that, you know, I thought that I had finally figured out that my quote unquote problem was that I, you know, well, first I thought my problem was that I dated alcoholics. Let's just be honest. (laughs) I thought I'd made this big discovery. Like, that's it. You know, like, like trying to think back as like, they were all, all had drinking problems. That's it. That's my problem. (laughs) You know, and then I discovered that it was me and well, it was both, but, um, the big discouragement for me was realizing that when I stopped drinking, all of my problems were still there, you know, I mean, the immediate problem of, of the alcohol was not there, but it hadn't fixed any of the other stuff in my life. Um, especially, you know, cause what really took me down, what really made me hit my bottom was relationship stuff. And, um, I was quite discouraged to find that I could still have just as dysfunctional and dramatic and ridiculous of a relationship stone cold sober as I could drunk. And that was, that was not a happy revelation for me. That was very sort of humbling and discouraging, Um, you know, I guess I thought that things were going to, you know, not magically, but I thought that I thought the alcohol was the problem. It turns out the alcohol was just the, you know, sort of top layer of the problem. And there was still quite a lot of work to be done underneath. So that's not to discourage anyone because, you know, that was the first step towards any of it getting any better. It couldn't, I couldn't do the work and it couldn't get any better that was the very first thing that had to be done was to remove the alcohol and, and start living a sober life. But it was a bit of a disillusionment to find out that um, I was still the same crazy person with all the same issues, just without alcohol poured on top of it, which in some ways is even harder, right? (laughs) You know? Yeah, that's the, it it was, but then things got so bad that anything was preferable to the old to the old way but yeah i can definitely identify with that thought that you know if 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 quitting drinking was going to solve all my problems what it actually did was just reveal them them, expose them all yes right it shined a light on them and as you're saying and i'm always remember one of my favorite sayings about if i if i walk 10 miles into the woods i gotta walk 10 miles out you know just because i realized hey i don't like where i am and i'm gonna be different I'm not magically out of the woods, right? I got to turn around and walk the other way. Uh, another source of discouragement from time to time for me was, uh, it's, it's basically, it, it's a form of what you're saying that I would have times of depression or feeling lost when I thought that, you know, sobriety in this path was the solution. It was the answer. And it was, but that, didn't, that doesn't mean that I didn't have times where I felt down. 
or I still do from time to time. It's not debilitating. It's just sort of part of the landscape yeah. or, or feeling lost hasn't completely gone away. Again, it's not, uh, but it's not overwhelming and it's not debilitating. Mm -hmm. So to get sober and as you're saying, to realize, oh, I still have these same challenges yeah. and now they're louder somehow, you know, it's like they, they've been revealed or a, a light has been shined on them, which is good because that's the only way they're actually going to get any healing whatsoever, exactly. but it's still uh, disconcerting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All the, well, I heard a um, someone on the AA speaking circuit, um, trying to remember her name I can't think of it right now but she talked about it like exposing our grubs you know like when you turn over a rock and there's all this all these little critters underneath so that's sort of like this process of turning over the rock and then all the critters are still there now they're running wild you know and they're not drunk so they're running faster (laughs) you know and and it is absolutely the first step towards healing all of it, but it can be, um, it can be pretty disconcerting because now all of the issues are exposed and there's no alcohol to help deal with it. And to, there's no buffer. It's just me with all my stuff, you know? Um, and I remember, you know, thinking that I had gone to AA, well, you know, we think, we think we go to AA to get sober, Right. And then we realized that getting sober is only the very tip of the iceberg. Now we have to learn how to live sober, which is a whole different thing than getting sober. You know? And yeah, it's one thing to stop drinking. It's another thing to learn to live day in and day out, you know, putting weeks and months and years together, living life as a sober person without that. Um, and it, it's not just alcohol, it's whatever, whatever the addictive um, substance or issue or behavior is, learning to begin to live life without that, um, it can be discouraging because it's a challenge. But we hold fast to the understanding that it is absolutely the first step, that none of those things can be healed um, until we have stopped engaging in what the whatever the primary addiction is you know because that's what it's basically keeping us from doing the work right holding us back from everything yep there's a wonderful book called living sober that i'm i'm almost positive is a conference approved literature and we used to have a book study yeah around it in in one of the recovery communities that Mm -hmm. i was in so isn't that a yellow book or it used to be a yellow book okay relatively thin yellow yep Yep, I remember Look, that one. It's about exactly what you're saying. Getting sober, that's job one. Yeah. Staying or living sober is a is a whole different kind of thing. I mean, I remember uh, there were times before I got sober where I didn't drink for like a year. Oh, you know, okay. I, and I and that led me to believe I, I have, there's no problem. You know, I don't yeah. have a problem. Well, that, that wasn't exactly true. Mm-hmm. You know. There was a time, apparently, when I could set it down for a while. That ended, you know. By the yeah. time I, by the time I picked up a white chip and actually began to live sober, uh, there was no way that I could have stopped of my own volition. But you know, even four years before that, I think I had stopped for a year, and it was just like no big deal. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, the way this thing kind of multiplies and creeps up. Anyway, that was my experience. So I also had discouragements, just like I talked about feeling depressed or lost, you know, feeling angry about 
things. And once again, it's like, hey, you know, I'm, isn't this all supposed to be better now, somehow? Yeah. Yet here I am, you know, feeling feeling angry or, um, you know, annoyed at other people who are in recovery, which is a subject unto itself. It's a, it's a, <laughs> It's a wonderful blessing, actually. Oh, come I'll, on. Recovery people are annoying. Let's face it. We I'll, just are. It, there's a, a very important purpose for all of that, I yes, think. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, just sort of feeling irritated, angry, or what, or what have you. Yeah. Uh, even though, hey, I did, this, I did this thing. Where's my trophy? Yeah. And my, you know, my lottery, my winning lottery ticket and... So yeah. I can live the life of my dreams now. Yeah, it's like often when that um if if the if the primary addiction, whatever it is, has become very, you know, um severe and debilitating, then when that's removed, there can be a sort of euphoria or what we call in recovery the pink cloud period. Yeah, you know? right. But then what happens is life keeps lifing, as we like to say, you know, it keeps lifing. And so all of those things that we used to use the addictive substance or behavior to deal with, they begin to occur again. And now we don't have the thing to use. And so I can remember feeling, you know, pretty raw and exposed because like we said, you know, nothing, nothing stopped. I mean, everything, all of the circumstances of my life, except for the drinking continued and, um, you know, the interpersonal things and, you know, my, my own, you know, family of origin issues and all of those things were, were still there, but now I didn't have the alcohol as a buffer. So that's when, you know, we move into that phase of what you were talking about, like that little book, living sober. How do I live like this? How do I deal with the things that are inevitably going to come up and learn to deal with them in a new in a new way and it can be um it's a big life change but that's where the healing really is is you know when the things start to happen and we and we are forced to find another way to um to deal with them which is really you know using our spiritual principles and using the 12-step um program that's how we deal with those things when they come up when we don't have the active addiction to use anymore that's that's why the program is there and you know the program is really not in getting clean and sober the program is in living that way um like you said those things come up um so that we can begin to heal those issues that's what this whole deal is about it's a it's a long journey it's a healing journey and um we have to be in it for the long haul yeah, it's all, I came to understand the pink cloud is almost like I get to borrow some sobriety for a while to really get a sense of what it can be. And yeah. then I begin the work to make it so in my life. And yeah, mm-hmm. it does take time. Well, we've talked a lot here about the challenge of discouragement, but it's time to move out of the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution? Well, we always begin in the same place, which is that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. Yes. And the unity spiritual principles are all oriented toward a deeper understanding of and relationship with the divine. We acknowledge the presence and the power of God in and through and around and as us. And we know that as we lean into that divine wisdom, we are lifted out of our old limitations. It's in our third unity principle that we find guidance for holding a vision of a better future. Our third unity principle reads, 
We are co-creators with God, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. And so that's what we want to focus on today. But what does it mean, we may ask, to hold a vision? And how does doing that help me? I know I've had times when it seemed like no matter what I did, nothing changed. But even so, somehow life did get much better. What is going on here? Michelle, when you think about holding a vision of hope, what does that look like for you or mean for you? Well, one thing that really helped was when the folks that had time in the program kept telling me that things were going to get better. You know, when when they kept telling me, um, don't quit before the miracle or expect a miracle, Um, you know, because I believed them and that you know, sort of that initial hope was maybe borrowed from others who, who could vouch for it, you know, but there's a thing, you know, I'm really fascinated with hope as a concept. And we just had, you know, hope as a topic a couple weeks ago for the first week of Advent. And, you know, that saying hope springs eternal, it really does. You know, I feel like hope is really a human quality that, um, is in all of us it's sort of wired into our human nature it's what it's what allows us to believe that the future could be better it's what allows us to believe that things can change i can change um it's sort of this like and it doesn't mean that we don't have tough times or that we don't have depression you know you and i have both shared about having sort of chronic uh low-grade depression and yet we have hope also right it's just sort of this human thing that is um, this human ingrained optimism that no matter how bad things get, there's that little inkling that things could be better. And, and I really believe it's a human quality because if we didn't have that quality, if we didn't have that hope as part of our, maybe our divine nature, our inherent human nature, we wouldn't be able to get better. You know, if we didn't believe we could get better, we wouldn't be able to get better. So hope really does spring eternal and it might not feel like it all the time. And that doesn't mean there won't be tough times, but um, that vision may sometimes be a strong vision, or it may sometimes just be the slightest little inkling that if I do this program, like I'm being told, things will get better. And, and they did for me. Yes. Yes. And for many that I know, really, I can only, of course, share my, own experience that's all i really know about uh for me holding a vision starts with something else that we touch on periodically setting an intention Mm -hmm. right so setting an intention is simply uh it's really a decision that i make and articulate uh, to myself Uh, writing it down can be helpful i don't always have to write it down but i think writing it down can kind of help anchor it and in a way you know coming up uh, next month, we'll be doing a, our white stone ceremonies and unity yes. to begin the year. That's a good example of setting an intention. You know, in a prayerful uh, place, we we seek guidance of what what is it that is for us? What word or short phrase would I, will I carry with me this year? What might kind of be the focus of my moving ahead? Mm-hmm. And so that is setting an intention. Now, a, a vision, I think it for me, it expands from there, and it might be, you know, a vision of a prosperous life, uh-huh. however I might define that. And I would define it in terms of my relationships being highly functional and uh, working 
the work that I do in the world being in, in, so enjoying in the, enjoying it so much that I would do it anyway, you know, bodily health, financial health, kind of all that stuff together. So I can hold a vision for that happening without trying to put together like a action plan to make it all happen. That's the key for me yeah. is that, that holding a vision needs to be just that. And there, there, you know, when it's time to take action, uh, I trust that that will be clear to me and I will know what to do when something needs doing. I don't have to sit there and try and force it. Or as uh, one of my teachers had said to me many times, how is none of your business, mm-hmm. right? I need to be clear on what it is. I'm holding a vision of what it is I want to experience. How exactly that's going to unfold is none of my business. Although I do uh, have a prayer practice and I do, as we say in the program, the next right thing or the next indicated thing that's always so simple and right in front of me. That's my part of it. Almost like that middle part is uh, none of my business. And I found that to be the case. Yeah, so this whole idea of this third unity principle that um, that we can have an impact on our life, that we are actually actively creating our experience of life through our own consciousness, this was a whole new concept to me. You know, before I found recovery and unity, I very much thought that life was happening to me. You know, the, these things were just happening to me. I was, um, I was a victim of them. I was uh, not an agent, you know. Um, and I had sort of that, uh, you know, that, what do you call it, that, um, that idea of life, you know, if anything bad will, can happen, it will happen, or whatever that Murphy's Law or whatever, you know, kind of. Yeah. And so um, this idea that I could actually change the trajectory of my life by changing what I believed was going to happen, that instead of thinking Murphy's law, what, you know, the worst thing will happen, I could start thinking the best thing will happen. Um, And that was very new to me. And I I was getting it simultaneously from recovery, because I think recovery pretty much teaches that too, maybe not quite as you know as an actual principle but I started hearing that in recovery first before I heard it in unity and then I came to unity and I found that it was like one of the primary teachings of unity and I was like wow I'm hearing this everywhere this must really be a thing you know and so um I began to change what I you know thought and at first it was that fake it till you make it you know like I would just People would say, you know, well, you know, if you want things to be that way, be a certain way, you have to um, believe that, that it could be that way. That's that hope, you know, Um, and you have to start holding that in your consciousness instead of this idea that the worst thing is always going to happen. And, and it started panning out very quickly for me in small ways that gave me the confidence that this was a real thing. And that I could begin to practice this. And um, so there is that aspect of the fake it till you make it because as you know, because faking it, quote unquote, faking it is really a shift in our consciousness instead of like, oh, whatever is the worst thing is going to always happen to me. I can start thinking, no, you know good things are going to happen to me. Life is going to get better. As we say in the program, sometimes, you know, um, there's a little questionable theology here, but we say, you know, God didn't get me sober for me to have a crappy life. And it's, I didn't get sober to have a crappy life. I got sober to live happy, joyous, and free. And, um, and so, you know, it's that see it to believe it, you know, we start to create it in our consciousness and then it starts to out picture and it's not magic. It's not like some, 
you know, kind of voodoo magic thing. It's a real thing and it can work quite quickly. Yeah, right. It's it's the it's the way our minds work. Or as I've heard it explained, if you're going to make up crap, make up good crap. Yeah, heck yeah. Right, because <laughs> I'm, I'm making it up anyway. Or so, or uh, someone had said, I've I've had thousands of problems in my life, a few of which have actually happened. Yeah, right. Yeah. The rest of them, I literally just made them up, and they never came to be. Well, if I'm just gonna, I, I'm inherently a creator, I believe. Yeah. Thinking back Genesis one made in the image and likeness of the creator according to that story i believe we inherit that creative ability and that we literally create worlds and the world and and we're so good at it i can't even see it i don't know that i've done it i think i'm seeing the world but um as we know uh, you know we don't see the world as it is we see the world as we are right and so i have created in my mind and i can create it differently so if i'm going to make stuff up i'll let why don't i try to make up good stuff yep that's a reminder I know I need to keep coming back to. I know for me, it helps to, to make it this holding a vision of hope or any kind of vision to make it an action. And the action is prayer, mm-hmm. right? So that might just be, if, I, if say I have a visual image or, or any, anything that helps me bring to mind the vision that I'm holding, I will do that in a quiet time, in a prayerful time. You know, whether I'm, it's formal and I'm setting a timer or not, or whether I'm just sitting on the edge of the bed for a few minutes when I wake up or whatever it might be, I take the time to remember uh, that vision, to bring it back so that I can see it, feel it, hear it in, you know, in my mind's eye or my mind's ear, um, whatever that might be. So using um, prayer as a time to recall and remember that vision and to hold mm-hmm. that vision in a practical way so it's not it's no longer this just abstract idea of holding a vision well how do i do that well take some quiet time go into prayer and then hold it in your mind yeah. whether if you're a visual person you might see it you know if you're other people's minds work differently i tend to see and feel mm-hmm. things so i would just hold whatever my conception is and that has been helpful to make it into an action Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've heard it said, and I think we say in unity that everything in the material realm began as an idea in mind, right? In divine mind. Um, And so holding, you know, a vision of hope is something that we we do with our consciousness and it and it will outpicture. We don't know exactly how, but that's part of the fun. You know, we don't want to know the whole deal. I don't want to know the whole deal. I like how life surprises me. (laughs) I don't want to know either. I want to, you know, the phrase keep coming back, (laughs) keep coming back to my head, keep coming back, keep coming back to your recovery group, keep coming back to the principles and keep coming back to God and to your vision. Well, let's hold that thought because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Please stay with us. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. 
Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Prior to the break, we began by discussing the discouragement that we felt in early recovery when things uh, didn't change as quickly as we might have liked them to. And then we moved into talking about that vision of hope and and how that power of our consciousness um, can can really bring about change in our life. So now we're going to talk about how that vision of hope helped us move from that discouragement into happiness. One thing that comes to mind is is one of our sayings, time takes time. Mm. I heard that uh, many times, mainly from old timers, which our, our definition of old timer was someone with 20 plus years, someone who had been around a while. Yeah. And so the, the vision of hope that I held is represented, and we were talking about this before the break by that pink cloud, right? So at first, I had an experience that seemed that felt very kind of free and easy, like, oh, man, I'm glad this is done. Right? <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like it's almost like I got to borrow. I don't know how long it was, a few weeks, several weeks. I'm not sure of like 10 year sobriety yeah. living. I got to borrow that for a while to get a, a very good sense of what that would could feel like. And then it faded away and the work began, but now I know what I'm working toward, or I know what vision of hope I'm holding. I'm, I'm holding a vision where life is easier and I'm not, you know, constantly dogged by um, either any, you know, any kind of craving or um, you know, irritations that, that, that are raw because I'm newly sober, right. et cetera. You know, things really, we say expect a miracle which is, I think, a, a good and right thing to hold because it happens. Don't quit before the miracle. And as you and I have discussed many times, there's not just one, right? The first miracle is, is when the, the craving for the desire to drink leaves us, and it will and it does, and it did. Uh, but that's just the beginning. There, there is a list of, of miracles uh, on deck for all of us. Yes. Um, that begins with that. And, and in a way, the ninth step promises that those represent some of those miracles. So there's more of a, um, a very clear, almost enlist form, but there are so many others uh, beyond that. that yes. You have to kind of, you have to do the deal and, and walk the road and, and live your sober life in order to encounter them. And I promise that you will. Yes, I too love that saying, don't quit before the miracle um, and expect a miracle. And I think that I had people or sponsors say to me at very important times along the way, say that to me at very important times along the way, when I was really in the trenches of grappling with, you know, some particular issue, one of, you know, one of the core issues, those really tough things. 
Um, and just feeling like life was just a mess. And then having someone say to me, don't quit before the miracle. And what that meant to me was it's not going to stay like this. You know, whatever it is that you're in right now, it's not going to stay like this. It's, it's going to get better. It's, it's not magically going to be all better, but it is going to get better and better and better and better. That's why no matter when we say that to someone or someone says it to us, it's always true. You know, don't quit before the miracle it, or expect a miracle. It's always true because life keeps lifing, but the miracle keeps miracling. You know, it just keeps, um, it just keeps uh, paying out in dividends. And so the miracle for me is that idea that whatever this thing I'm really struggling with, it's going to shift. If I keep, you know, if I keep walking the walk and doing my deal, it's going to shift. And, and for me, those really big things that took a really long time, but ultimately did shift, those were miracles for me, you know, having life be different and having, you know, learning to manage some of my tougher issues and having things begin to shift for me was really a miracle. And it's a miracle that keeps miracling. It really does. Um, over and over in my life so and of course as we say on this program a lot when we believe that it's going to happen it does because that's that co-creative power of our consciousness Um, you know and and again it's not magic it's it's the power of our consciousness and and like you said when we set an intention and if our intention is to experience a miracle a miracle being a shift in consciousness it will it will shift. It will happen. Yeah, I like that. Believing is seeing, right? It's the conventional wisdom turned on its head. Usually we'll say, I believe it when I see it. Right. Well, if I, you know, I'll, I'll see it when I believe it is the way it works in the realm of the spirit. Uh, another phrase, and I've jotted down several of them I see, uh, keep coming back is something yes. I heard over and over. Yep. You know, whether it was said directly to me or just said to somebody else in the room, it doesn't matter. I still heard it. Mm-hmm. every time it was said and so i i took it in every time it was said and that just means you know to be persistent so you know holding this vision of hope that kind of a pink cloud helped me see uh what it could be um allowed me to keep coming back and that is the you know one foot in front of the other approach to, yep. to just about anything because there are many times I've felt discouraged, like, God, I got to do this the rest of my life. Like that gets overwhelming. And, and that's not, that's not, that is not where my head belongs. I don't, I don't need to do it for the rest of my life. I need to do it for today, only mm-hmm. for today, because mm-hmm. I can't live the rest, the quote, air quote, rest of my life, right? I can only live actually this moment, but maybe I'll stretch that out into this day. Yeah. Right. If my head hits the pillow at the end of the day and I haven't taken a drink, then I win. No matter what else happened, no matter what, it doesn't yeah. matter. If I yeah. don't pick up a drink, I win. And so I got to come back to that and remember um, to keep coming back and that uh, one day at a time, I just need to live in this day and all is well. Yeah. I, I used to say, and I was tempted to do it, all will be well. I'm going to affirm and all is all well. Is well. Yeah, another thing that you're hint or really what you're hinting at is um, learning to live in the present moment, right? And that's another one of those big concepts that I simultaneously was learning about both in recovery and in unity. 
And, um, you know, I, my nature is to want to get way out in the future. You know, I think it's in our nature of a lot of us to, you know, we sort of want to get out ahead of life and, and, and stop bad things from happening and make the good things happen. And, and that goes hand in hand with control, wanting to control, um, make things turn out the way we want. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's always going to be a challenge for me, at least to live in the present, but I can't be reminded of that enough. Anytime someone says to me, you know, just be in the present moment, that's always going to be an apt reminder to me because there's some part of my mind that is always either, you know, rehashing what happened before or worrying about what's going to happen next. And um, I learned in both recovery and in unity that life is happening now, it's happening right now. And also that that's where God exists, you know, that my experience of God is in the present, in the present moment. And so the the present moment can be uncomfortable if we're new to recovery. Um, and so we can take it in little bits, you know, uh, we practice, it's a practice, we practice being in the present moment. And, um, you know, we can start out with just practicing being in the present for 30 seconds, you know, whatever it takes. And we build on that. Um, and it can be practiced in a formal meditation practice, or it can just be practiced informally, you know, things like when I'm walking my dog, instead of spending the whole time worrying about what I'm going to do when I get back, I can try and be present while walking my dog and see the trees that I'm walking past and hear the birds that are singing and feel the sun on my skin. Um, those things, they're just very simple practices that bring us back to the present moment. Um, and that's a good, and as we get more clean and sober, as we get more comfortable with our sobriety and not using our substance or behavior of choice, the present moment gets more comfortable. You know, it's that, um, getting comfortable in our skin. I think that's what people are talking about when they talk about that. Um, getting more comfortable just being. And and it's really counter-cultural, right? Our culture teaches us always be, you know, what's happening next, what you're going to, you know, it's a very forward movement type of culture. And so it's it's a bit of, you know, swimming against the current to, to say, no, I'm just going to be in the moment. So, you know, if you find it challenging, that's to be expected because it's not something that's supported by our culture. But more and more people are catching on to this um, being present in the moment concept. Yeah. And the more that I become that way, the more I, of them I see, mm. right. Cause I suspected they were always there. I just didn't see them because my, in my, in the world in my mind, that wasn't a thing. So I didn't recognize it yeah. in the world. It's almost like, um, you know, whatever it is we're looking for, we'll find. Right. Right. Which is why you, you want to do the opposite of Murphy's law. Like you right. were saying, that if yeah. anything wonderful can happen, it will happen. Yes. And that will help me to see it happen. I'm thinking of something that's sort of a variation. You talked about don't quit before the miracle. We both did. And I like to affirm my best days are ahead of me. Mm. And if someone were to challenge me and say, well, how, how can you say that? How do you know? I'm not telling you that I know what's going to happen. I'm telling you, I just decided yeah. that my best days are ahead of me. And by definition, they will be because I will find what I'm looking for, right? Right. Uh, whatever I focus my mind on, I'm going to get more of. Uh, that's absolutely true, no matter what. And so if I affirm that my best days are ahead of me, 
Um, that gives me just a general positive feeling about life. And guess what happens when I walk through the world with a generally positive feeling about life? People notice it. They want to be around it. You know, whatever it is I'm doing in the world is going to go better when mm-hmm. I'm doing it that way, because mm-hmm. everything that we do involves other people. I mean, I don't care if, uh, if I'm, you know, if somebody's isolated in a room doing software development, you're still, there are other people, you're not just doing it for you. There are other people involved in all of this. Yeah. So anyway, my best days are ahead of me is a, an affirmation I like to use that feels related to don't quit for the miracle. I just keep going. It gets better and better. It gets better. Yep. You know, that's a big part of, of what we're talking about. I had mentioned before, and I jotted it down again, that um, <clears throat> being annoyed at other people in the program is not, a you know, again, with the software, it's not a bug, it's a feature, right? There is a good purpose for this. And it's that uh, I, I'd heard it described as, you know, we all come in with rough edges, right? And little pointy parts that are poking at other people. And we all tumble and bump around each other and it smooths oh, all yeah. of our rough edges. It's That's a nice. really important life school, I think, yeah. to, uh, to be in and to walk through that and to learn and to realize that I don't need to be irritated about anything that anyone else is saying or doing. It's not, it's not me. You know, but when I couldn't tell the difference between myself and other people, which sounds strange, but trust me, it's a thing. Um, I did like what you said all of a sudden could affect quality of my life. Now, how is that anyway? So when we're we find ourselves challenged by others in the program, that's good. And we're probably challenging to others in the program, too, as well. And the person who's challenging me might be the most wonderful person in the world to somebody else. You know, if I think they're annoying, that someone else might think, oh, they're hilarious. Like, I don't think they're hilarious. I think yeah. they're really annoying. Anyway, that's just, that's my private judgment. It's not about them. It's about me. And it shows me what I need uh, healing around. So I think it's very important that we keep coming back, no matter what. The idea is not to have a home group where everyone likes everyone. That would actually not serve our purpose. Yeah. We'd be missing something very important. Yes, boy, that was um, that was sort of a tough pill for me to swallow when I began to when it began to be pointed out to me that my irritation was not because everybody else was irritating. My irritation was because I was irritable and I'm still irritable sometimes. That's the thing I struggle with, you know, and and I have to be reminded again and again that, um, you know, it's not that life is irritating me or people and circumstances are irritating me because that's what I tend to think, right? It's happening to me. But when I really get grounded in unity principles, I remember that I am experiencing irritation. It's not that those things are irritating me. And that doesn't mean that I can just snap out of it, but the awareness starts to help me shift out of, you know, I'm a victim of all of this to I can have some effect on my life by changing my attitude. Um, and I love that metaphor because I do love metaphors. Um, remember when we were kids and we had those little rock tumblers? Yeah. You know, you put rocks in the thing and tumbled it and it came out shiny. I really love that metaphor of us all sort of tumbling around together. And um, as we bump up against each other and stay on this path together and learn from one another, we all get more and more smoothed out and more shiny and beautiful. 
So I really like that. Um, we have a saying in our church, uh, the good is now, the rest is blessed, and the best is yet to be. And I really like that too. Um, again, what we believe and what we affirm and what we hold in consciousness is what we will experience. So when we say the good is now, that's grounding us in the present moment. I don't have to wait for my good tomorrow. I don't have to wait until I have the job, have the relationship, have the house, have the car. My good is now, you know, and, and if I'm not experiencing it, it's because I'm just missing it because I'm not paying attention. You know, the good is now, and I don't have to worry about tomorrow because the rest is blessed. And when I say that it is, it is because I am blessing it. I am blessing it with my own consciousness by saying the rest is blessed. It's all going to be okay. And the best is yet to come. And, you know, again, as we affirm it, it becomes true, but I'm here to tell you that it is true. (laughs) And the reason that it is true is because when we're on this path of growth and learning and recovery and spiritual advancement, it can't help but get better. That's what the path is. You know, many of us thought that we came here just to get sober or just to stop gambling or just to whatever the thing is, but ultimately we were getting launched onto a spiritual path that we really had no idea, but is so it's the, it's everything, you know, and what did you say at the beginning? There was something you read in the beginning about, about life um oh that we wouldn't trade this life for anything yeah and i think you know we can probably pretty much all affirm that um we wouldn't trade this life for anything because it does keep getting better and a sober aware life is a good life and when we affirm that it is then it is those are i think those can be and for me certainly were challenging concepts so again i'll going back to my affirmation my best my best days are ahead of me i'm not claiming to know what's going to happen in the Mm -hmm. world around me i'm not talking about that at all i'm talking about my inner experience and i'm choosing what that's going to be and because i choose it or as uh, i've heard um because we we allow it to be so right i allow it to be so and because i allow it then so it is yeah right it, it's an incredible creative power that we have mm-hmm. and i don't mean to say that my mind is moving rocks and no. mountains and other people out of my way on the highway i mean if it is doing that it's fine but that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about how i am going to experience things or how i am experiencing things and that if that sounds really weird, if you're listening, that's okay. Let it be weird and just know that it's a, it's a place you can get to as well if you just keep uh, working the steps and following this program. Keep it simple with my next note about how, you yeah. know, how does holding a vision of hope melt, help me move from discouragement to happy life? Well, it helps me when I keep it simple. My vision is simple. It's not a complicated thing with eight parts, right? It's just sort of a, a moment in time. It's a wordless kind of thing. Maybe it's, a, a like I said, a visual and a feeling and uh, a sense of joy that's in me. That is the vision that I'm holding. Uh, it's very, very simple. So it, it jives for me with our program principle, keep it simple. You know, I've heard this described as a simple program for complicated people. <laughs> Right? And, and because it's 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 deceptively simple, a twelve-step program is deceptively simple. And all of the trouble that I've ever had with it 
has been kind of of my own creation. But right. then again, that's the learning path, right? Yeah. How, how could I learn that if I hadn't gone through that? How would I know that that's the case if I hadn't seen it over and over, you know, because I'm willing to keep coming back and because I'm willing to uh, allow it to take time and unfold and to keep it simple. Yes. It's this stuff, this does work. So the other piece for me about holding to that vision of hope um, is that, and this is really the biggest piece or the biggest shift shift is that I went from living my life on my own steam on my own power thinking I was doing it myself and you know propelling myself single-handedly through the universe to coming to believe in a power greater than myself and then turning my will in my life over to that power and and beginning to practice that on a daily basis with everything that I encountered um, using that you know that third step of um, just turning everything over uh, to the God of my understanding and trusting that God, whatever my understanding of God is, or lack of understanding as it may be, whatever my concept of God is, that God, that power and that presence wants only good for me. And so I can trust, I can trust it. Um, and I can trust that when I follow, when I live my life that way, turning things over to God, and when I live my life um, seeking God's guidance in all things, I can trust that good things are going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be difficult things, painful things, challenging things, but I, my vision of hope is I hold fast to the belief that all of that is ultimately for my highest good in a way that I don't even understand or need to understand. I just yes. believe it and I trust it. And that's really the foundation of my life today. Yeah, I'm down with all of that for sure. And I understand that, you know, I had that feeling like I had to do everything. Like I had to wrestle goodness out of the world. Somehow. <laughs> I, had to, I had to figure out how to make money so that I could be happy, right? Because that was going to be required to be happy when, um, and the, the way I live now is, is quite different than that. Most of the time I can still fall back, of course, into old habits, but right. like you describe, it's a very different thing. And uh, as I mentioned in the, in the opening, I would not trade my life now for anything, mm -mm. nothing. I wouldn't change a thing and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, uh, we've said a whole lot about this topic. So let's step way back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum it up. And our, uh, our guiding question for this summary will be this. Uh, can you share, uh, Reverend Michelle, can you share some simple steps or a simple approach to holding a vision of hope and the changes that come about from doing so? So sort of an overview. Yes. Well, it all begins with prayer, right? Developing that relationship with um, our higher power, uh, using that prayer time to turn our will and our lives over, to turn every things small and large over to the care of that power, um, believing that that will ultimately be for our highest good, and then seeking and following the guidance of that power. Um, it can also really help to develop trusted friends and sponsors and support people that are that are walking this walk also, because life is sort of trying to pull us back into the stream of, you know, the 
the conventional way of living. This is a different way of living. And so we need to surround ourselves with folks who are also trying to live this way and and work this type of a spiritual program so that it gets reinforced. Surrounding ourselves with people who can who, who remind us don't quit before the miracle, who remind us to live in the present moment, who remind us to, to trust God and to seek God's guidance. Um, it really, I think that's probably one of the most important things is, um, you know, surrounding ourselves with folks who are living this way so that it gets reinforced. Yeah, it reminds me of, of that truth that uh, no one can do my inner work for me, but I can't do it alone. Right. Either. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. So my, my approach to this is what I share, keep it simple and make it active. Right. And that that's in a way, that's the program in, in a nutshell, you know, the, the action parts, the active part showing up at meetings, uh, being active in a, in a home group, finding a sponsor, actively working the steps, et cetera, stay in touch with program people who you admire who you know Mm -hmm. you think I want I want to have the kind of peace that that person has or the kind of easy way of living that it seems like that guy has stay in touch with them you know keep coming back don't quit before the miracle keep it simple and keep it active and all will be well yes well our affirmation today can help to reinforce all of these ideas and it is In partnership with the God of my understanding, I step out in faith to co-create a life of happiness. Again, in partnership with the God of my understanding, I step out in faith to co-create a life of happiness. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we are grateful We hope you found something in all of our blabbing today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion. And thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you may be at this moment on your own recovery journey. Yes, and listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Go ahead and drop us your thoughts and comments. And as always, we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.